Welcome to the Rise to the Challenge podcast. Joining me today, she's an entrepreneur, speaker, author, and doctor. It's Dr. Amy Novotny. How are you doing today, Dr. Amy? I'm doing well, Alex. It's nice to be here, and thank you for having me on. We're so excited to have you on the show to talk about your rise to the challenge. What we like to do with all of our guests is go right to the game. Talk about where you're from and what you like doing growing up. So I grew up in Arizona uh, with my mom and one of my brothers, and I was very active, always outdoors, playing with the boys, playing sports, uh, trying musical instruments, getting into arts and crafts, you name it. I was just fascinated with life, and it's kind of followed me all through life. It's I'm always curious and like to learn and just try to challenge myself. Was there anything that you kind of became liking towards a sport activity something that kind of like kept you happy you know not really I mean there was I would ebb and flow there was times I played soccer then there were times where I did like a version of volleyball and then I was really into tennis for a while and then I was into running as I got older so it just it was literally just ebbed and flowed I just I did not stay consistent with one thing because as soon as I I became decent at that, it's like, oh, let me try that thing. Let me go do that. (laughs) So, yeah. Do you feel that with the changes into different activities, maybe it wasn't challenging you enough? You kind of, I was good at this or I'm decent at this. And I'm like, okay, I'm ready for the next. There may have been a portion of that, but there was also well, wait a second, I want to learn how to do that too. Mm-hmm. And eventually you run out of time. So you have to pick and choose. So I wanted to find, I was like, well, I want to keep doing this and learn more about this. And it was just because I was curious. It's like, I see other people doing this. So I want to try it too. Like That seems like fun. <laughs> I feel like that's so important that kids nowadays should take that kind of mindset yeah. because enjoy, like go do whatever you want. Try all the things think when I was younger, I didn't do that until I got older. I'm like, Ooh, try this. Ooh, try this. But I wish I started younger and trying different activities or different items. Yeah. And it's, and it's hard because for some people, there's that fear factor. Yeah. There really is that, Oh my gosh, what if I messed up? And I know there was always that part of me too, but at the same time, I loved other activities because there was never graded. So I I didn't have the fear. It was always, can I do it or can't I do it? If I can't do it, okay, how do I figure out how to do it? And so things like sports are those two things. They weren't graded. So I didn't have any pressure. I could just learn and enjoy learning. As you were growing, did you have anyone that was a like a motivator or an inspiration for you? Honestly, no. (laughs) I literally just was interested in things. My mom, you know, helped raise us and she just always said education, 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 but she didn't play or do all these activities. It was just, "Hmm, I want to try that. Oh, I heard someone do that. Let me do that. So it wasn't like I had a model and that's probably why, you know, a lot of people have a model and then they gravitate towards that one thing, like whether it's Michael Jordan with basketball, then they keep playing basketball to be like their idol. Mm-hmm. I didn't really have that. I was, I just literally wanted to try things. Did you have a close relationship with like your brother or your mom that kind of you were able to enjoy each other whenever you guys were doing things together? Yeah, I would say for both of them, I did. So 
um, my brother that I grew up with was a, almost a year older than me. And so we did a lot of activities together, whatever uh, he was in, I was always in and vice versa. If I wanted to do something, he joined it too. So a lot of people thought we were twins just because we did everything together. And then our mom was very supportive and she came to most of our events and, and sat and watched her, you know, read the newspaper while pretending to watch, you know, one of those ways. <laughs> As we're growing, sometimes we're asked that fun question. What is that dream job of ours? What was that dream job for you? When I was a little kid, it was to be a marine biologist. Because I just wanted to play with the dolphins. I mean, (laughs) as a lot of little girls did, you want to swim with the dolphins, play with the dolphins, work at SeaWorld. Because my exposure to marine life was an aquarium in California. But growing up and becoming aware of what animals really need to survive and thrive, obviously that changed for me. But as a little girl, yeah, I wanted to play with the animals. Was college that next step for you after high school or were you going right into the workforce? Definitely college. I got enough scholarships to give me a full ride and I had enough AP credits and that I started as a second semester junior. So there was definitely, it was college. There was no if, ands, or buts about it. Second semester junior with all the credits and stuff? Mm-hmm. Wow. Absolutely. Yeah. With all the AP classes and tests that I took, I started as a second semester junior. Do you feel that doing all those AP classes, it kind of took you away from that, having that social life or you were able to balance both together? It was, I was okay socially with the people in my class and my close friends, but I didn't go out and do the typical high school partying one, I wasn't interested in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't interested in drinking, smoking, experimenting. I it just it it just seemed like a waste of time to me. And I would rather spend the time studying because I knew I could get scholarships or college credit for very cheap. And I would rather do that and then explore more in college. So between that and doing some sports and I was also tutoring my mom at the same time. It didn't leave any other time to go out partying and doing kind of typical high school stuff and just hanging out at a mall, which I found was kind of boring. (laughs) Why would I just sit and waste my time just standing and sitting in a wall in a mall? And I didn't like shopping. So it just was never an interest to me. (laughs) I never understood why people did that. Like growing up in high school, I'm like, why would you go to the mall just to sit around? I could just be at home and do that. Like, why do we have to go to that place all the time? I don't know. And <laughs> I'm like, if I'm not interested, I'm not going to go do it. So yeah. there you go. Yeah. What path were you taking in college? What were you going for? You talked about how marine biologist was that dream job, but then things changed that kind of path. What was yeah. that path eventually? Yeah, so it started off, I was really into physics and biophysics. It actually switched so that I got a major in biology and French, and then a minor in math and Spanish. So I wanted to, I wasn't sure exactly how it would all end up, but I thought I might go into research. But instead, I got those degrees and ended up then switching into a doctorate in physical therapy right after Um, I graduated and fulfilled a few more credits. I just went right to the doctorate. 
With getting the degrees in French and Spanish, was there anything that you learned that was interesting towards you? Because I took a Spanish class and I'm like Mm -hmm. learning all about this stuff and it makes me aware like, ooh, this is interesting or I like this or new culture, things like that. Yeah. Well, I started studying both languages back in ninth grade. So I had been familiar with both languages all through high school. And I always, I've always loved, again, curiosity, curiosity about life, curiosity about sports, curiosity about other cultures. So I always liked, hey, hey, they can speak another language. Why can't I? Okay, Mm -hmm. time to learn it. And so, and I knew once I got into college, I was going to go study abroad. So I went over to France and studied there, finished up a French major there, came back and I had enough credits to finish up a Spanish minor. And if I wanted to, I probably could have done a Spanish major, but I didn't want to stay in college extra time. So I just said, okay, I have enough credits. And in Arizona, there's a lot of Spanish speakers. So I could work and speak Spanish and improve my language skills that way, which is really ultimately what I wanted is to be able to speak to other people. After college, what was next for you? Uh, So it was a doctorate in physical therapy. So going to grad school and getting that doctorate and then being able to have a career after that. Talk about your career path. Was it the path that you wanted and was there anything challenging that you faced that maybe you weren't expecting? Yeah, so I started off going into physical therapy and I worked in that for five years and I realized that that wasn't the end all. Mm -hmm. And that physical therapy is great, but it's an external application to the body. It's not changing someone internally. And so after about five years of doing standard physical therapy, sports, orthopedics, chronic pain stuff, I started shifting into developing what I do now, which is nervous system work. And so I started putting together a process. And at the time I was training to qualify for the Boston Marathon And I had the typical runner's aches and pains, even though I did all the prescribed what you're supposed to do to stay healthy, I had the, the typical things. And so I I was like, there has to be something to it. There's, there's something going on here that I'm not figuring out because if I'm doing everything that I should be doing, I shouldn't have any pain at all. Even if I'm training 40, 50 miles a week, there's something going on. And so that's when I started diving into nervous system work and coming up with a process just by experimenting on myself on how to calm down the nervous system to alleviate chronic pain, aches, stress, anxiety, surgeries, insomnia. And once I was able to do that, I could run marathons pain-free, ran Boston four times, did 50 milers. I've done all the way up to 100 milers. And it was challenging, though, because when I started putting this process together, I faced a lot of heat, a lot of pushback, a lot of resistance. I mean, for years, I went home after work in tears because I knew I was onto something, but I was being told by different physicians and even my boss, if you keep doing this, we will not send you patients or clients. You have to stop doing this. And it it wasn't easy. Like, I, I was in turmoil. And there's so many times where I was just, I just thought to myself, I want to give up. I just want to go back and do regular standard physical therapy, clock in, clock out, work with patients, help them get kind of better, but not really fully better because they really haven't changed. And they'll be back in another few months with the next injury. And 
there were just a few cases that held in my heart where the person changed radically faster than traditional healing timeframes that I said, okay, you got to stay with it. Mm-hmm. You got to push through the difficulty. You got to push through the tears. You got to push through the self-doubt. You have to push through all of this resistance because you're on to something and you can really make a difference in ways that other people aren't trained. And it was years of that. And I finally got to that point, but it wasn't easy. There's a lot of wrinkles under my eyes. There's a lot of blackness under my eyes because of how hard it was. Did you notice any of those chronic pains prior to training for that Boston Marathon? So while I had been running several marathons, so it's more, it was more than just training for the Boston. When you're an endurance runner, running marathons, doing triathlons, those types of things, most people have some type of chronic aches and pains. And I, and I had different like little things just from running, but not, not prior to running, but just when you're doing back to back runs, 20 milers one day, 10 milers the next day, and you just keep going and going and things crop up. But once I learned how to calm the nervous system down, it all went away and I didn't have any of it. Did training for any of those endurance runs teach you something about yourself that you didn't know you had in you? Um, Just like anything else, you kind of learn what your body can take, uh, how to how to do something monotonous that maybe you don't want to do. You pretty much learn how to exist and do something for a long period of time and be bored and how to push through things. It really teaches you mental strength. You talked about how your job didn't really want you to get involved and continue testing and really learning how to control everything. Did you find another support system, maybe family, people at home, friends that were there supporting you to tell you to keep on going because they believed in what you were creating? No, it was just all internal. Um, most people thought I was crazy. And um, it wasn't like I was practicing really on family or friends. I would tell them what I'm doing, but they they didn't really get it. And so it was just an all internal motivation. Just when I saw people getting better, faster, I just used that to keep me going internally. For people that are listening and they're learning about what you were going through, what do you think that they could have done to really understand more about what you were doing so that they could have been supportive for you? Because you talked about how they didn't understand, but could there have been something that they could have learned to help in that case? Not really, because the the material requires someone have a elevated health mm-hmm. background and education. So it's not like they were going to go to school for four years and then say, oh, okay, now I'm going to be supportive of you. Mm -hmm. So, and I'm working full time. It wasn't like I was going to go start experimenting on all my friends and say, okay, now do you get it? Can you support me? So there wasn't really, unless they were coming to see me as a client and let me do that on them, it wasn't really like a way for them to truly get it unless they've experienced it. A fun question to ask about your endurance run. Is there one run that you've done that has been so memorable for you? There's a lot of them. I would, <laughs> there's not really, there's not really one because they're all unique in different locations. I mean, I've done one in a marathon in Greenland. I've done a hundred miler in the mountains in 
Arizona, I've done Boston, I've done San Francisco, Chicago, New York. I mean, uh, 50 milers back, you know, right after doing a marathon. So there's, there's so many stories, <laughs> but there's not really <laughs> one that stands out because it's just, there's a lot, there's a lot that I've done and tried. Is there a dream location that you hope to do one in? Um, uh, Possibly Antarctica. Oh, wow. A friend of mine just finished one in uh marathon in Antarctica. So m- one of these years I plan on getting down there for that one. Are you, can, are you ready for the cold weather down there? To do that? <laughs> I would I, be like, nah, I'm good. I'm going to the sun. I'm going to the beach. <laughs> <laughs> I've already been to Antarctica, so I know what it's like. So I know I need to bundle up, <laughs> but the last time I was there it was 50 degrees, which is warm weather for running. So it would have been totally fine. Yeah. During this time, did it, you talked about thinking about going back to what you were doing with physical therapy. Did this kind of keep you motivated to continue on the path or were you ready for that next chapter in your career and story? Yeah. So as I kind of mentioned that I, I held on to like these few cases where it kept me going forward that I didn't want to go back to physical therapy. And so I just held on to that. And once after a few years of continuing to put together this process, I got hired by a world famous photographer to literally travel around the world with him to coach him in this process to keep him out of a knee replacement and a shoulder rotator cuff surgery. And once I did that and was traveling with him and his partner for six months, I came back and just started my own business and haven't looked back. And I know I, I keep up my credentials and everything, but there's no reason to go back into physical therapy when I have a solution that works faster, better, more efficiently and changes someone for good instead of let's put a bandaid on it. What was your favorite part about having that opportunity to travel with the photographer? Mm-hmm. Um, My curiosity of new places, new cultures and seeing wildlife all over the world and going to the Arctic and the Antarctic all in a year. It's, it's just phenomenal. Most, I recommend most people get out and travel and see the world because you learn so much just about the world and you improve your tolerance, your understanding on many levels. I think listeners are going to love the curiosity aspect because I think getting out there and learning, I mean, there's not, you're never going to say, I know everything about this subject or everything about this topic. There's always more and more that you can learn about. And I think that's so crucial because when you can go into any situation and have that knowledge, even if it's a little bit, it's still a lot more than having 0% knowledge in that topic. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, anyone who thinks they know everything is in for a big surprise at some point in their life. (laughs) What was the hardest part about starting your own business when you were coming back? Was this like a fresh opportunity for you? Um, well, it's just my decision. I didn't know anything about it. I didn't take over a business. I literally just said, okay, I'm going to start a business. So I had no idea how to start one. So I just started figuring it out, looked up stuff, asked people and just start a business. So it, it was hard because I had no business background. I just said, I'm going to start a business. What was the main mission that you had for the business? Um, It was then and it still is now is to help 
as many people as possible learn how to change their nervous system to heal internally. And by that, not just mind and emotions, but actually physically, so that we can get people to stop having surgeries that they really don't need, even joint replacements. And people who blame their pain on arthritis, they often don't realize it's the nervous system that's causing the muscles to pull the bones out of position. So the mission is to get people out of pain, stress, insomnia, anxiety, surgeries through a holistic and internal means so that they don't have to rely on anyone else to poke, prod, or fix them. They're doing it themselves. Have you noticed over time that you've seen a huge like increase in how you are feeling personally with learning and using the systems that you have created? Um, what do you mean by a huge increase? Have you noticed that you're not having those chronic pains anymore, or you're not going through those challenges that before you learned about the new system that you've created? Oh yeah. I, back in 2014, I haven't had pain since then, since I developed this, I I haven't, I don't have any pain and I haven't had any because I practice all this stuff all the time. So that hasn't been an issue for many, many, many years, nine years, I guess. So I don't deal with stuff, which is great. I'm very grateful that I stumbled on this and um, yes, just haven't had pain. Have you ever been faced with clients or people that maybe are really questioning what you do and they're like, like maybe they don't understand it, but after they try it, they work with you. They're like, why didn't I come here first? Or they're learning like a new avenue for it. That's a typical progression for everyone I work with. Like exactly that. They don't believe it. They say they'll try it. They try it. Then they say, why didn't I learn this before? Why isn't this taught all over the world? And then we have the conversation. I'm trying to get this out there so that people can realize how much that we're taught from growing up actually creates our chronic pain now, our stress now and our anxiety now. And how we can reverse all of that, but we have to get rid of a lot of the concepts and ideas that we think are beneficial to us that we've been taught by teachers and coaches and parents and well-intentioned fitness instructors, but it's really hurting us. Is that one of the reasons you started writing a book or becoming a speaker? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Because... I, I could just stay in one little area and just affect uh, a little tiny town, mm-hmm. or I could try to get this out there and reach more people. And even if they don't work with me or take one of my courses, at least they're thinking differently. At mm-hmm. least I put that little piece of doubt in their mind and they'll start to think, hmm, okay, wait, is that really right? So, and that's, that's what I want is people to start thinking and questioning the care that they're given and think, do I really need it? Or is there something I can do for myself to change how my body feels, acts, and behaves? Mm-hmm. Because as soon as someone does it to themselves, it's so empowering. And it's so neat to see them change and how excited they get when they've made the change themselves. And I haven't touched them or done anything to them. Oh, my gosh. That, that doesn't get better than that. <laughs> when was the first time you thought, I'm ready to write a book? Um, I was introduced to a gentleman named Kyle Wilson, who was the promoter for Jim Rohn, 
who is a who was um, has now since passed, but a very famous uh, personal development speaker in the world. And when I started speaking at some of Kyle's events, he had mentioned that they're looking for co-authors in a book. And so I just said, okay, I will join you. I had already been writing my own book, but I wanted to learn the process a little bit differently. So I said, I'll join, join him. And so I did that. After writing and working on that book, mm-hmm. what's been the reaction you've been getting from readers? I will get people. I mean, one a guy just emailed me yesterday that he read uh, my chapter in that um, compilation book and said, wow, it was really impressive. You went through a lot of struggles. Very excited to uh, read this and learn more about the process that you teach. And I'll get emails like that. Sometimes people will reach out and they want to work with me. Sometimes like the guy yesterday just wanted to reach out and thank me for the for the book chapter and was just wanted to say that. And I responded and I said, well, thank you. That was really nice of you. When you get messages like that, does it make you more excited about what's to come in your journey with your career and even your personal life and what you're able to accomplish? I would say so. I guess I'm already kind of excited about it because I I don't always look for external validation on stuff. I just know that it's this helps people. And the more that I just focus on what can I do and produce and reach out there, it's going to help people. And so I keep that my motivation. I try not to wait for other people to say, oh, this is great. You need to do more of it. I try to just say, okay, I'm just going to spend my time, my energy, my focus on how can I create more content to a lot of it? Most of what I do is free. How can I get this out there to share with people so they're changing? And of course, it's always nice to get messages, but I don't wait for it. I just produce. You talked a little bit about some of the events you've spoken at. Is there a big conference or a speaking event that is a goal to speak at and want to be able to share a message or a type of an event that you want to speak at? Um, You know, it, it kind of depends. I mean, Lewis House has a great event that goes on now every year. I think it's in August in Ohio. That would be amazing to be able to speak at because he has a large audience of people who are interested in changing their bodies and their their sensations and how they feel on a more holistic level. So an event like that, where the audience is ready to take action and ready to learn, that would be great. So those types of things are always I'm open to, and I just keep pushing and producing and reaching out to people to help them. And you never know what comes. During this time with your career, Did you ever feel that you were focused on your career so much that it kind of took you away from other aspects of your life or were the balance and the things that you're doing Mm -hmm. to show that you could have a successful career and a successful personal life and be able to balance those together? Yep. I never felt like I was out of balance. I always, I hung out with friends. I did running. I volunteered in a photography organization, nonprofit. I traveled. I never felt like I've been out of balance at all. I've always worked hard to make sure I'm living kind of the life that I really want to live. 
So I'm very, very careful with that. I think that's so important because I think people worry that they can't do everything or they can't do it all and make it work. And I think if you're able, if you're in a relationship, you just got to talk it out, make sure everyone's on the same page and things like that. But you have all this time. You got to go enjoy and make it happen. Yeah. And you see that often. I I work with quite a few high profile people, um, entrepreneurs, uh, famous, those types of people. And they're often lacking in a certain area. Health usually is on the bottom of the barrel, which is why they end up working with me and helping them to try to balance that. And they went all in because they had something special going on. Mm-hmm. And I totally get that. We're human and that happens. It just, they made those choices. And so a lot of times they're trying to fix that or to try to rebalance and shift things a little. And it's great to see. And it's always wonderful to see them realize the importance of that. And I'm here to help them on those journeys. Looking towards the future, is there anything that is on that bucket list in your career that you're hoping to do next? Um, I guess the only thing that is probably coming up in maybe a few years is a certification program to certify others in this method, because I've already, I already do one-on-one. I have group coaching, uh, live sessions a few times a year, as well as I have a video course series, building a health community. So all of those things are already in the process. And the thing that will come later is training other people in this process so that this, this method, this technique lives on and spreads even faster. Sometimes we like to learn a little bit more about the guests that maybe the listeners don't have known about you. What is something that it, you love doing nowadays? Like I see if you're listening to it, you can't see in her background is penguins. Yeah. yeah. What do you enjoy doing nowadays? Um, well, my favorite thing in the world is wildlife photography. And so when I was down in Antarctica, I got to photograph the emperor penguins in a very remote location where most people who go to Antarctica never actually are able to get to this location. We had to use a special ship from Russia that had to break through ice in the Weddell Sea on the eastern aspect of the peninsula, which most people go to the western peninsula and then we had a helicopter to sea wow. ice and then trek across the ice to get to the penguins. So it was a long journey. But wildlife photography is my favorite thing to do. So whenever I can, if if I know I'm going to a place where there might be wildlife, I'm bringing my camera and I enjoy hiking. So I get out. And if I go somewhere and I find some kind of wildlife, I will head back there with the <laughs> camera. And guess what? that wildlife hopefully will get its picture taken. And I'm very respectful of nature to watch and just be careful and just respect the animals. So I'm not disturbing them or scaring them. Going more deeper into the wildlife photography, what is that rise to the challenge mentality you have when you're going to places like these and being exposed to all these animals and going to their nature, their comfortability, and you are trying to learn and take those photographs, but even traveling to get there, it's not no easy task, but how do you prepare for it? Well, part of it is you do a lot of research online to see where the location is, see the best times to go photograph the animals, which season is most appropriate, what gear you need to take, if it's hot, if it's cold, if it's buggy, you you learn very quickly. You make the mistake once of not preparing, 
and you learn very quickly. Otherwise you're very miserable. <laughs> and so, and then when you go to a location, you also need to know a little bit about the animals. Are they skittish? Are they used to, used to humans? Do you have to go with a guide or a guard or, um, you kind of have to, I mean, you just literally, just like you're going to do anything else, you want to research it just to prepare yourself. And then you go to the location and you, you sit, you sit and wait and you let the animal adjust to you if it hasn't run off and you begin photographing it when it's appropriate. Looking at your full journey, is there one thing that a listener can learn from your journey that can help them rise to the challenge? I would say be curious, just be curious. And if you see someone doing something that you don't know, start to learn about it, start to do some research on your own. If you feel more comfortable asking them, if you can get some help or ask them how they learned, do that. But instead of saying, I can't do something or I fear doing something, start asking, how can I do it? And how can I be curious about it? So that way your brain is always learning. If once you stop growing and you stop learning, you're, you're literally on the path of dying. And I want to make the most of the precious time I have on earth. So I'm just going to say, keep being curious. This might lead into the same with curiosity, but the final question I'll ask you for someone that's listening to this interview based on your journey and experience, Mm -hmm. What tips or advice would you give them to overcome obstacles, accomplish their goals, and rise to the challenge? Mm-hmm. Again, be curious and get around other people who are curious because our environment influences us, us quite a bit. If you don't have that internal drive of curiosity, I was lucky somehow I developed it when I was a toddler and I kept it and I didn't let anyone or a social situation stop me from that curiosity. But if you're, if you have that tendency where you prefer doing things in groups, which is totally fine, everyone's different, then find people who are curious too and who want to learn. The more you can get around a community like that, you're just going to flourish even more because there's no limits. You're around people that don't have self-limiting beliefs. You're around people that don't let self, self-doubt stop them. So those are kind of the things I would tell someone. Well, Amy, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about your rise to the challenge. You're inspiring so many people, and we are excited to see what the future looks like for you. Thank you. I appreciate that, Alex. It was wonderful being here, and thank you for having me on, and I hope this helps someone. Tune in next time here. My next guest talk about their rise to the challenge. Remember to follow and subscribe on all major audio platforms. And make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel to the full-length episode in video format. What path do you take to accomplish your goals? You decide.